welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that that is who you are, that our confidence isn't placed in anything in this world, but our confidence and our hope is placed in you and you alone. So as we cry that out, as we pray that from our hearts, that that would just sink in the truth of who you are, our miracle worker, our way maker, that you are who you say you are, and we believe you, that you can do whatever you say you can do. And so that's what this is about this morning. We honor you. We glorify you. We come before you in faith and belief. And God, I pray that you would continue to stir up our faith, to build up our faith, that we would be able to believe you for even more, even bigger, because you are a big God, deserving to be praised, deserving to be glorified, deserving to be lifted high. And so we pray that that would be true in this place, that your name would be honored in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Yeah, give God a shout of praise. As you go ahead and take your seat in the place, go ahead and wave at some friends around you. Community is so important, and it's so awesome to be able to be coming together and worshiping God in this place. You might have noticed that it looks a little bit different here today. This is week eight of our sermon series, Miracles of the Messiah, and we've been walking through the book of John, and we've been learning about the different miracles that Jesus has performed throughout the book of John recorded there. But we as a church family, you may have known this, or maybe you're new here and you're wondering why it does look different. This isn't every Sunday, but... We have been a part of praying and witnessing a miracle of healing in our own church family. And so today we thought it was so appropriate and fitting to be able to come together and to hear the story of what Jesus did and how he healed and who he is for you today. So this morning we're going to be interviewing my parents, Steve and Lisa Shaw. If you guys wanna come up and make your way to the comfy couch, you can give them a hand. And then I can take my, we can take our seats too. I feel like a talk show host today. (laughs) We thought it was important because you know what guys, when we talk about faith, when we talk about what it looks like to live a life of faith, to live that out, it's the belief behind our prayers that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. This is the hope that we have. And God is very clear. Our story is powerful. When we say testimony, what is a testimony? Testimony is your personal experience. It's your truth. It's what you've experienced in your life, how God has intervened, what he's come through for you on. And so we believe there's power in our testimony. And as we each share our story, which every one of us, our story about what God's done is so important to be shared because it glorifies him. And as we share miracles, as we share our faith, that builds the faith in other people. That is what helps us keep going and believe God for that in our lives. So we thought it was very important to bring them up and let them share this this miracle that they're still walking through today. Yeah, so if we go back to January where a traumatic moment occurred, 
and kind of time from then until now, we just want to get your insight into what happened, because some of us may not know that are here in the space, but then also how your faith got you through it, and then what it looked like with Jesus showing up in the midst of it. So taking you back, I know it's emotional too to be able to go back. So um, I'm a free crier too, so we'll be in it this morning. It's gonna be emotional. So as we look out, anybody else, you could be crying too, that's cool. At least do it for us, okay? Because we know that we're gonna be experiencing that. But take us back there, let us know. What, what's the course of events if you had to start in January? Well, I'll start with what I remember. So, because uh, I had some issues where I had to go to the doctor and I had some pain and, and he had found that uh, I had a bowel obstruction that had to be you know, taken care of and usually they would try to let that work its way on its own. But this is a, the second time I had that. And he said, decided that I needed to have surgery to correct that. So what I did was, um, it was January 12th, I had the surgery, and I went through the recovery as 10 days, and I was doing pretty good, I thought. I was, you know, almost running up and down the halls. The doctor, surgeon would see me and say, I'm making good progress, and I was just waiting to get out of that hospital. Uh, as you guys know, it's not the most pleasant place to be, but uh, the people there were really great um, that cared for me, but I just wanted to get home. Um, and in my, you know, Haste to get home. I got home and I started, uh, you know, feeling poorly again. And the the pain was, you know, starting to come back. And I had uh, I was about to pass out and was, you know, not sure what was going on. So I, I had to, you know, yell for Lisa and you know tell her I, I need to call the ambulance again because there's something wrong. There's something definitely wrong. I could tell. And. Um, Pretty much that is what I remember. Um, from that point on, I remember somewhat getting loaded into the ambulance. Um, I remember one distinct thing uh, before I was under uh, the doctor, the surgeon come and said, we have to put you on a ventilator. Uh, have to put you on a ventilator to save your life. And I said, I just nodded my head. Uh, it was pretty much they were giving me medicine already to to calm me down, and um, that was the last thing I remembered. And then, of course, you all know um, Lisa has the rest of the story because I don't remember <laughs> exactly what happened to me during that time. But that's when it turns over to what you remember. Well, and, and throughout this whole process too, because of COVID going on, as you first were brought to the hospital. Mom wasn't allowed in there, so here he is doing it on his own. Um, and I, I think in moments where we pause here, because we want to reflect on the miracles in the moment too, because God does so many different miracles, but we don't want to lose sight of them. So the fact that for that first stint in the hospital, you were not allowed in there, but God put people around you to help you and kind nurses and a staff and support to be able to do that. And then in that moment, you still weren't at the hospital yet where we're picking up, right? Right. So I, but we were able to talk via FaceTime and, and we were able to talk on the phone and stuff. And each day he was getting, you know, better and it was a good sign and everything. But when he got home, like he said, he was okay. But then about four hours after he got home from that whole surgery situation, he just did, started not feeling well. And I remember we were laying in bed and he said, 
to me. He says, I'm not going to leave you. But he was kind of out of it. And I thought, that's a strange thing for him to say. But he said, I'm not going to leave you. And long story short, you know, he went into the ER that night. Well, I'm calling every two hours. to the. They won't let me in because of COVID. It was awful. And Steve and I are very close. We don't, we're not away from each other very often. So even the first 10 days of him being in the hospital was hard on us, but at least we could communicate. This time, he's in the AR, I'm calling every two hours. They're saying, your husband's very sick, you know, we're giving him pain meds, he can't talk to you, on and on. So, I, four in the morning I called, and I thought I was kind of irritating him. So I, was, I said, okay, I'm gonna wait a little more. Well, I called, four hours I let it go, and the nurse said, hasn't anybody told you? It's like, no, what? Your husband is in critical condition and he's on a ventilator. Well, when, he, when they, she said that, I said, is it critical enough now I can come and see him? And she said, well, I have to get approval. So my daughter, Christy, was with me. I called the other kids. I mean, I had this honest gut-wrenching sob that I could not control. I could not it just came out. And I remember telling him, I think your dad's dying. And, you know, he's on a ventilator and this and that. I called his mom. I called my parents. Same state. Well, my son is, uh, he was an hour and a half away, so he started to come. Melissa, she's like right on it. Christy's like, Mom, we have to get to the hospital. No, didn't know if we were approved or not. But on the way there, we were praying. That She was praying on, in her car, we were praying. My son was teaching, telling me how to breathe because he's a psychology person and he was trying to get me to breathe right so I wouldn't pass out and all this stuff. So we got there and I just went in and there was a man at the desk and I said, my husband's in critical condition, he is in ICU and I, I said, I need the nurse's approval. If she doesn't give me one, you need to find me somebody who is going to approve me because I'm gonna go in there. And he looked at the thing and he, I must have been approved God's miracle again, God's favor. And I remember walking down the hallway, and it's a long way to get to the ICU, and I remember just, Lord, give me strength. Give me strength for what I'm about to see, what I'm about to experience. I went in, and they wouldn't let me in at first, so I had to go wait in the waiting area. That was torture. I was so close, but yet so far. And I kept waiting and waiting. And in the middle of that, I'm telling you, the Lord showed up in so many ways. He, he blessed me. I can't even, I'm probably forgetting some of the things he did for me, but this girl walked by with a laundry cart. She was one of the girls that would replenish the laundry. She passed by and she stopped and she came back in. I'm all alone. There's no people there because of COVID. Nobody's allowed in. And she said, are you okay? I said, well, no, not really. And I told her, um, she said, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, you can pray. I said, I, I said, if you're a believer, I need you to pray for me. My husband's very sick. Well, she said, can I give you a hug? I'm not supposed to do this because of COVID, but I want to hug you. And it's like, Lord, thank you. You affirmed me that somebody was with me when nobody was of my family. And um, so they called me in. I'm telling you, my legs were like lead to go walk down that hall because I didn't know what I would find or expect. And I, it wasn't pretty. Um, he was there. He had so many IVs hooked to him. 
he had, there was people in there, two and three nurses. Um, I walked in, I didn't cry at that time. I just sat down in the chair and the nurse said, I want you to sit there and take this in, this is a lot. And then I'll explain to you what's, what's happening to him. So I did, I sat there and I just looked and he had the ventilator coming out of his, into his mouth. He had vials, I mean, he, what happened was he had started bleeding internally. So that before, when I was just getting there, they had just given him a full blood infusion. Um, and I couldn't go in because there was, it was a mess in there. And he had tubes coming out to release the blood. It was not a good sight at all. And I just remember sitting there, and he's, he's, on, not, he's in his coma for the medical coma or whatever, and she says, do you need me to call the chaplain? And I said, usually I don't, but I thought, I'm alone. I, I want somebody to come and pray with me. So she sent this, the chaplain came in, so sweet. He had talked to Steve the week before, and Steve had told him about his daughter and son-in-law's church and how proud he was of them, and he, was, he knew all about the story. And so he prayed with me, and he said, can I get anybody, can I, I'll see if I can get somebody to come with you. And my brother's a clergy, he, he's, he's a pastor at the Furnace in Kenosha. I said, come, I want my brother to come. Because I kind of thought of you, but you pass out over needles and blood and stuff. <laughs> So I thought it best be you be with Melissa. <laughs> so I, he come in and he said, yes, you can, you can, your brother can come. So my, I called my brother and I said, Brad, Steve's on a ventilator. He's critical. I need you. I need you to come now. Okay. So he was in there within a half hour. I still was okay. I think Doyen, you got there before Brad. Doyen is my... She was my little godsend. I'm telling you, Doyen, our, our worship leader here, she, I'm telling you, she called Melissa and asked if she could, do you think I would mind her coming down? I'm like, no, I, you know, I needed somebody. She was the most quiet, angelic support. She, another miracle. Because she worked there, she wasn't on shift, but she sat, she sat with me days on end, not even working. And she was quiet and she'd pray. And she'd let me have breaks. And I would go, I, I kept saying, I don't want to leave him. No, just go, I'm right here. And she said, I'm going to read the Bible to him. Okay. So I, one time I went to lunch, she was like, Psalms 1. When I got back in the room, she was like, Psalm 73. <laughs> <laughs> so she was such a blessing to me. But anyway, so my brother came and we prayed and prayed. Well, the situation with, he's on blood thinners because of a blood disorder. And they were trying to get his blood levels correct before they could do any type of surgery. But he had like three people specialists. He had the lung doctor because of the ventilator. Am I talking too much? One thing I do want to say in this moment is the pattern that you see here of what her response was when people asked if she needed anything was asking for prayer. Yeah. Like sometimes we're too afraid to ask for prayer. Like we're sitting and we're waiting on our miracle, but we're too scared to let people know we need prayer. We're yeah. too scared to let people in on what we're going through. And the fact that she was like, yes, I need prayer. Yes, I need prayer. I need this chaplain. Can you pray? Yes, Doyen, come. Can you pray? She's asking for it. And yeah. when we're waiting on a miracle, we can't get discouraged and look at what God is or isn't doing in that moment. We need to reach out and say, 
I need to pray. Mm-hmm. And will you pray? And trust in God in that moment. So I love that that was your initial response. And that's why we get to continue to see miracles throughout the process. Right. Yeah. All right. So they were trying to get his levels up to where he could have a surgery so that they could look and see what was going on because he was bleeding so bad. And so I kept, we kept praying. That was our one prayer request. Lord, let those levels go up so they can get in there and see what's going on. Well, that night I could see there was three of the doctors and they had concerns and they said, we're going to get him in there. It's like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. You know, I'm not even sure if the levels were up, but that he needed help. And so the first doctor, we went into the waiting room, my brother and Doyen and I, we went in and the first doctor come in and said, we, I tried to scope him. There's so much blood, I can't see anything. He says, I, I've never, you know, this, he was just shaking his head. I was like, okay, well the next doctor come in and he was going to do um, where he would go in through an artery and go up and see if he could see where it was bleeding at and do like cut off the bleeding areas. The CAT scan showed in his stomach that there was two areas just spewing blood. They said sometimes it's just like dripping, but this time it was just, they could see it on the CAT scan. And so he come in though and he had a dire look on his face and he says, I'm telling you, I'm gonna try to, it's gonna, I'm gonna try to save his life, but I'm just letting you know he can die through the procedure. Like, okay, well in the meantime, my kids, and all my friends and loved ones, they had prayer chains going. My brother's church had prayer chains going. My mother-in-law called people in New York. There was so much prayer that night. Mississippi, everywhere across the country, Arizona. I mean, people were in prayer over this day and over this night. And I'm telling you, an hour and a half later, the guy come back in with a smile on his face and he said, I was able to ca- stop it. I was able to find it and catch it. Well, and, and there's a video too. I don't know, Kev, if you can click on it back there because as we were preparing for this surgery, Melissa was like, I feel like we just need to go to the hospital. That was his next surgery. That was the next one? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, there's so much that was <laughs> there happening. There was so much. There, I can't even keep track of it all. Up to this point, how many blood transfusions did he have? He had two in one day, but he was getting constant blood you know, supply with the little bag thing. And so he, you know, he was getting that, but they had to actually, in those procedures, he was bleeding out so much they had to, she explained to me, they had to pump it all in at, in a fast rate because he had, it had just come out of him. So there's multiple moments already up to this point where he, we thought that he, it was done. Yeah. We thought we were lo- we'd lost him. So I stayed and the nurse had told me, if you leave, you can't come back because of the COVID. I'm like, okay, I'm here. I learned what dry shampoo was. I had body wipes. My daughter brought me things that I needed to keep you know, up and um, I stayed. Well, the next day after that procedure, they still didn't like what they saw because they said there's some slow bleeding somewhere. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, the, the emotional things of up and down were horrific. And I just, I remember, um, I remember praying so hard within myself and my daughter would send me songs and I had worship, I made a, a list of worship songs for Steve's healing and I would have it on his bed. 
and be playing it. And I remember one time in particular, the nurse, it was Waymaker, and she started singing it. And I looked at her and I said, do you know how much you just blessed me because you're singing this? She smiled and she said, I pray and sing over my patients all the time. That was one instance. Another instance, my, my brother who came, he has a, a girl, Jordan, she's a nurse and she's living with him for right now. And I walked in and there she is, another Christian that's praying over my husband. And in the course of sitting there talking and praying and praying over him, these people would, as I would get into conversations with them, I would realize the Lord sent them, the Lord sent them, the Lord sent them because they were believers or they gave me encouragement or they knew what I was talking about and encouraging me in the situation. And so I was just, I can't tell you how blessed I was in that situation to have the Lord just showed up constantly. He just showed up constantly. So anyway, back to the third time. Um, this was when the prayer time started and the doctor came in to, and said, there, he's bleeding somewhere. This time I have to open him up. The first surgery, 10, 10 days or whatever before ago, he had laparoscopic. This time they were going to have to open him up. I said, he's too weak. He can't take the surgery. And the surgeon said, if I don't, he's not going to make it. Like, okay. So I called my kids. Melissa said, mom, I feel like I'm going to get, I want to get a prayer time together. When she told me that, I think I remember saying, that's good. I felt like a peace because she said, I'm going to, I'm going to see if people can come to the hospital. You, you tell that part then. Am I on? Um, one of the things like what we keep saying is about the power of prayer and the power of having that, that faith in who you're praying to. And, all throughout this time, like they had said, there's so many prayer chains going on. There's so many people across the country praying, people that would reach out to me and be praying. And I just can't emphasize that enough, that, that that's why we need each other. That's why we need community. That's why... Um, that's the way that God works, as he works through the prayers that where two or three are gathered together, there he is in their midst, and we, we count on him for that. And so as a church, we always say, too, like, prayer is not our last resort. It's not when things get to the, you know, the darkest part of your life, and then, oh, I should pray. It's like, that's the first thing that we're going to do. That's our first response. So when I got that call, and it was, you know what, he might not make it through the night, but if he doesn't have the surgery, then he definitely won't make it through the night. He might not make it through the surgery. So it was like at that point, I was just like, I felt the Holy Spirit so strong to say, go and pray. That's all I knew to do is go and pray and gather people. And so I just started reaching out to whoever I could. And a lot of people um, who couldn't come like on last minute notice were committed to praying at five o'clock that night because they knew we were outside of the hospital praying at five o'clock that night. It was freezing cold. <laughs> I couldn't feel my toes or my fingers. Um, but we just felt like the presence of God was so powerful outside of that hospital. And as we were praying, the things that we were praying, the Holy Spirit was putting on our hearts to pray for. It was so cool to then go and talk to my mom afterwards. And the, some of the, like, 
you know, I remember praying, God, be with my mom in there and help her to feel this like heavy comfort of the Holy Spirit. Help her to know that you are with her and that she has peace. And and before I even ever said what I prayed for, she had mentioned like that, if you want to share that, like what, how you felt in during that time where we were all out there praying what you were experiencing. Well, before he went in and before the prayer time, Doyen and my brother and I laid hands on Steve before he went in. And then we went in the waiting room again. And I was, I was nervous. Doyen was praying. We all were kept praying with, in ourselves. And I was just so nervous and, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, I think I even said to you, do you feel that? I, I, I just remember, and it was like a heavy, warm blanket of peace. I stopped. I was so calm. I was at such peace. And, but I felt I couldn't, I can't really explain it other than it was the, the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit on me because I was, I felt heavy, but it was like a good heavy. It was so peaceful. And I was so calm. And I just knew no matter what, it was going to be okay. I didn't know if he was going to make it or not, but still, God was in control, and I was, we were going to be okay. Well, the doctor had told me before it, he saw on the x-ray that part of his colon seemed to appear dead, and that he, he was going to have to go in and open him and see what was going on, and he'd have to cut some of his colon, he'd probably have to wear a bag for a while, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Steve is not, I hated signing that form, because I thought he is not going to like that, and um the doctor came out smiling. He said, the, the colon was fine, no issue. This was after the prayer time. I'm telling you guys, you guys stormed the gates of heaven and interceded for Steve and for me and for my family. But you, you did. The faith of everybody that prayed in authority because of what God can do was the miracle. Well, I think something that's really important to note there is the moment that she felt that peace and it was the even if. The even if faith. Those are the hardest prayers to pray. To say even if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to, I'm still gonna have faith that God has a plan through this. I'm still gonna trust the fact that he's gonna work in and through this. We can't get so caught up waiting on our miracles to happen and then feeling disappointed in God when they don't and say no, we have this even if faith. We believe in you no matter what we're facing, no matter what trials or hardships we're going through, and to have that peace that God gave you in that moment to say, even if, like no matter the outcome, I'm here with you and it's going to be okay because God uses all things for his glory. Yeah. Okay, I got to jump in here because this is where it gets a little interesting. I don't remember any of this that happened. I do remember this. Um, during this time, I just know it has to be during this time. I saw the whitest light you've ever saw. And I was moving toward, I seen Jesus and I seen my father. And I was moving toward them. And I was describing last yesterday about, you know, what they were doing, what they looked like. And I got about 20 feet away from them. And they both, you know, they were in a conversation and they both, you know, sort of stopped and looked at me and said, you're not supposed to be here yet. You have to go back. Yet I, I felt myself involuntarily not walking, but moving backwards. 
And the only thing I remember during this whole time was, okay, now it's time to fight. The Lord's given me the opportunity. And I felt myself, and I told them this, I felt myself, I felt like I had a, something in my mouth, which was the ventilator, of course. And I was biting down on that, and I was fighting. And the Lord gave me the strength to come out of it. But it was something amazing, because during that time, when I saw him, when I saw the Lord, I had such a peace and love that you, I just can't describe. And I sort of felt like, well, that's, that's you know, what heaven's going to be like for me, for us when we get there. There's going to be such a peace and love and communion with the Lord. And I, I look forward to that. But I'm so happy the Lord gave me the opportunity. And I know there's something he's got for me to do. And I just, that was the one thing. And I remember also seeing Lisa's face and her telling me that she loved me. She's telling me everyone's praying for me and to keep fighting and to, she just, I would see her I, probably a, almost a dozen times and she had told me afterwards that that's when they'd bring me out of the coma to try to talk to me, to get me to respond. And that's when I would remember seeing her. And then I'd go back and I couldn't wait to come back and see her again because they, they put me back under. And I couldn't wait for the next time where I could see her and she'd say that to me again. So that's what I remember at this time. And now it's the rest. Okay. So um, the doctor did come out and said everything was okay. And when he opened him up, he said there was a lot of old blood and clots in there. And he had to wash it and clean it all out. And when he did that, he saw bleeding ulcers. And he was able to fix some of them and cauterize and stitch and whatever. He still wasn't out of the woods yet. He's still on the ventilator. And they said, you know, it's going to be a few more days, a few more days. And we had some ups and downs even after that. Even though he got through that surgery and he was... We you know, kept claiming. I remember, I remember, and also another miracle is um, the doctor, when he came in, he said, you go home now after the surgery. He's, gonna, he's stable. I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no. And my brother said, she's been here for three days straight. I said, they won't let me back in. He goes, just a minute. Well, that was another miracle of God. God used that doctor. And he brought the lady back in and said, she will be here. And he told me in front of her, if, if you have any issues, you stay in the parking lot and call my office. You are going to get to stay here. She needs rest, he said. I thought, okay, thank you. Because I was there, like, after that, then I would come, like, from 9 to 9 at night. I would stay. But I prayed and prayed and prayed over my husband. And I remember every morning if there was, he started spiking a fever after the surgery and he started getting pneumonia. I mean, it was an up and down thing through that week. I remember one day his heart, um, he went into AFib and they couldn't get his heart rate down. And every time they did that, the ventilator alarm would go off. And I remember calling my kids and saying, I, 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 have, I, I don't know how I can take this. I, you know, I can't take the, the alarms anymore. It was just but I stayed and I persevered through God's help. I think you gave me the song Protector and I kept playing that over and over and over again. 
I'm telling you, worship songs are powerful. They speak to me. I know they speak to everybody differently. Some, the word speaks to you more, and the word does speak, but worship songs, I'm telling you, just speak to my heart. And I remember one time, there was another song that talked about authority, and you weren't doing that good, and they still were not letting you off the ventilator, and I was by myself, and it was like 9 o'clock at night, and I got a spiritual boldness. I was angry. And I remember standing over his bed. And I had already declared his bed and around it as holy ground. I remember declaring it. And that night, I thought if somebody saw me, I thought about it later, they probably thought I was going nuts. But I had my hand on him and I said, I have authority in the name of Jesus. I said, Satan and the enemy, you leave here. You are not to touch him. I had boldness, and that's my faith that just came out because we do have authority in Jesus. We do. He's given us that authority through the power of his blood. And I remember saying that, saying, you are not going to have him. He is ours. We are not letting you have him. In the name of Jesus, you stay out. By the blood of Jesus, he is healed. And I would start from the head of top of his head and thank the Lord or pray for anything that was going on because his internal organs were compromised with all the blood loss. So he had issues with that. It was a rough week, but then, but then I walked in on a, on a Friday and he's sitting there looking at me. Now they were telling me maybe the vent would come off and I just wanted that out of there, out of him. And he, was, he had the oxygen mask on. I said, the vent's off. I was so excited. And then later he said, he kept trying to talk to the nurse and say, where's my wife? Where's my wife? And he, she couldn't understand him, I guess, because he was coming out of it. And he said, he goes, I thought you had died. And I said, well, then why weren't you bawling when I come through? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was so happy. Such now, so happy that to see him sitting there. I called the family. We were praising the Lord and rejoicing, and every little step. I was reminded coming in this morning of that video you posted of Malachi singing a million miracles. One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's by Elevation Worship as their new song, and I'm thinking that is that's the story of yeah. this million little miracles every day throughout this whole process of of getting Steve back to what it is. Yeah. Man, what a powerful story. And to hear that she walks in and he's sitting up. And I think that there's two things that were a continuous part of all of these million little miracles. It's the fact that there was so much prayer. Yeah. Community of people continuing to prayer. But the worship. Like worship is not singing songs. It's giving praise to God. So to praise God in the middle of the waiting, in the middle of the challenges, in the middle of the difficulty. And even for us on the outside, we go, man, he made it through the surgery. He's sitting up. Everything's going great. And we're celebrating these miracles. But in reality, Dad, what are you facing as you're sitting there? What's this point from the moment that you're now awake in your road to this point? And, and that's the different perspective, right? Because I remember, you know, like I said, going into the ambulance and going to the hospital and saying I'm being put on the vent. And that was about the last thing I remember. So I basically went to sleep and woke up and I could not move. I could not talk. I could not raise my arms. I could not feed myself. I could not do anything. It's like, what happened to me? And 
everything that Lisa just described, basically what I was going through, my body was going through, I had no clue. All I knew is I, I woke up and I was unable to do anything. And it really was a struggle for me mentally to be able to find a way to get through. And you know, everyone was saying what a miracle it was that I was there and that I was alive. And I couldn't feel it at the time. I, all I could feel was that you know, what I, my body had went through and what the church and what my family and what Lisa's experienced, I had, I had no clue. And it had to, took a while for me to get my mind and my heart around what was going on. And one thing I wanted to, to share just quickly is the, it's not the first time I faced uh, a life and death experience. And I was in my 30s and I had cancer. And during the surgery at that time, um, the church had come together again. It was another church come together and prayed for me. And after the second surgery, they came back with the results and they said, he has absolutely no cancer. And the cancer that they found to begin with was a very aggressive cancer. And they thought it would go into the lymph nodes. And it was a lymph node dissection that they did and they could not find a trace of any cancer. And I knew it was because the Lord healed me at that time again. So I know that the Lord is with me. The Lord answers prayers. He answers the community of the church and the church comes together. And the Lord is always there when we need him. Even if we don't feel him, like the song says, he is at work around us. He is always with us. He loves us and he he is at work in so many different ways. Even if the answer is not what we want in the prayer, he's at work. Believe me, you'll see it down the road sometime. Whether that's, you know, in an answered prayer for that particular miracle, or if it's another life that's changed or transformed. I would go through, I, I say this now, but I would probably wouldn't have said it weeks ago, but I'd go through this again if it meant changing somebody's life. I would go through this again if it meant somebody else coming to the Lord. And I just want to share that message with you guys, that the miracle that I'm here today is that I'm here to share the message of the Lord and yeah. share that, that he is here and he loves us yeah. and, and he cares able. for us. And he is able. And, and I think that's such an awesome way to even close out our time together is just acknowledging like it is about not what we see here physically on this earth. As believers, we have a hope for eternity in heaven and we have a kingdom mindset. So sometimes when we're praying, because I know that you've been asked the question like why why did he answer your prayers for healing but maybe he didn't answer the prayers for, you know, my my spouse or my brother or my and and those are very real questions and things that come up. But like you hit on, it's like we might not ever know how God chose to answer that. But he does. He still hears us. He still answers and maybe healing doesn't happen on this side of eternity, but healing, we all have a better 
a hope for tomorrow because we have an eternity with Jesus. And so the time that we have on this earth, it's about what can God do and what does he want to do in his kingdom and how can I be a part of that and how can I bring glory to God through my life and your testimony. Like in the Bible, it talks about like we will overcome by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. That's so important. And so that's why we wanted to share and like even touch on the fact that like maybe you have something you're praying for that you haven't seen come to pass yet, but don't give up. It's it's praying with the belief in knowing that God can and he is able. And even if he doesn't, he still can and he's still able and he's still God and he's still got you. And in the ways that, you know, described today about all the different ways that God showed up and said, I'm with you. No matter what happens, I'm with you. And, and just those physical signs. I just want one other thing to say is the, uh, the miracle's still in process. You know, my body's not back to what it was. Um, I still have some different issues to, to get through. But I know, you know, with continued prayer, I'm going to get there. Yeah. I know that. Um, so continue to pray in that respect. I, I know that the, the church has always been praying for me. I have family across the country. I have friends across the country and uh, different churches that have been praying for me as well. And just continue to pray because he's not done. The Lord's still working. Amen. So. Amen. Well, can we give it up for Steve and Lisa for sharing their story? You can guys go ahead and grab a seat for us. God is not done working, not in their life and not in your lives. Such a powerful story to get to hear about and to know that God is working and he's working miracles out of difficult moments and during, during all of it to know that God, he, he's sovereign and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And as we close out this series here, the verse that I continue to resonate with, that we continue to process together is in John. When John said, there were so many more miracles that took place, so many that couldn't even fit in enough books that could fit in the entire world. Those type of miracles happened then and they're still happening now. And that's what we need to grab hold of is to know that miracles are still taking place, but it also may not look the way that we would anticipate it would. God's miracle and the way that he shows up, it, you might be living in an answered prayer right now, but you're still going through challenges. But saying, I have faith no matter what. I have hope no matter what. As we define hope at Soul Revival Church, it is a confident expectation of a greater tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. And one thing that Steve shared that really hits my heart is the fact that as he was going toward Jesus, the peace and calm that he would have had. Paul wrote at one point that, you know what, whether I live or whether I die, I don't care because if I'm still here, I know God's not done with me, but I would rather be in heaven. I would rather be there. As I hear about that peace, it's like, man, I want that too, but God's not done yet here because he wants to use us to be a part of these miracles. He wants to use us to help transform other people's lives by saying, what if we come together and we just pray? We pray for the miraculous. We pray for God to show up. And you know, even if we're living in prayers that we might not think we're answered here and now, we're trusting God with faith, with a confident expectation that he's still moving and he is still in control. And if he wants to do something, he'll do it. But if not, I'm okay, because I'm serving to God, even if he doesn't answer me the way I want him to. That's who God is. And we want to close out our service here, one, by, by just thanking everyone for joining us. And, and we say, continue to share. Share this story online. If you're with us online right now, share it. 
And if you want to give to help continue to spread the gospel, you can join us by giving financially. If you're a guest with us today or online, we don't want anything from you. This morning was for you. But you can give on the way out here. You can text the amount you'd like to give to 84321. Or you can go to soulrevival.church slash give. But the most important thing that you could do in this moment is to say yes to step into relationship with Jesus. To say, yes, I want that. I want to have that faith. I want to have a community of people coming around me too that are believing with me and for me that we can be a part of miracles. And right now, I want to ask if everyone could just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're saying, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing special that you have to do. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So we want to create a space for you to respond, whether in this room or online. And I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three and I get there, if that's you, I'd love for your hand to just shoot up. Or maybe you say, I believe. Or online, maybe you say, I believe. Or you throw it in the chat. I want you to know, one, Jesus died for you. Two, your life will never be the same and he will never leave you or forsake you. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand in the air? Could you put it high? Or if you're online, could you shoot it up? Thank you. Thank you. Now, would you pray with us here? Would you pray over those people that just made the greatest decision ever? God, we thank you so much for all you're doing. We're sorry for the ways that we fall short. We're sorry for the mistakes we've made, but we thank you that you've forgiven us. Jesus, we believe that you came, that you died for our sin, but better than that, that you have risen again. God, we trust you. We know that you are in control and you are on the throne and we thank you that you've forgiven us of everything. And we celebrate everyone who made that decision today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a shout of praise? Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.